The Bonfires of Social Enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global. Welcome to the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. We're podcasting from Traverse City, Michigan. It's in the northern western part of lower Michigan. Our guest is Nathan Griswold. Nathan is nationally known for his expertise in green roofing, or some say green architecture. Builder, gardener, designer, and I would say overall artist. Um, pun intended here. I've rooted myself into this industry. <laughs> I love that. Puns welcome here on the Bonfires podcast. <laughs> so uh, what's one thing that you, when it happens, you'd say, man, that really energizes you or you see this, another pun, come to life? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I just I get really excited um, when I just see these new projects coming up that are putting these outdoor living spaces on the rooftops. So that gets me pumped up, and it gets and I've found a crew of um, salespeople and technical people that are going to be there to help me make sure that we're involved in that. And if any new building, be it a home or anything, it just all of that. I just want to help make that create a space that's more comfortable for them, and um, that's you know plants make us more comfortable as a species. And um, so that really just pumps me up. Anytime there's a new building, I see that as a new opportunity to go tell my story and uh, potentially grow my business. Yeah. So first of all, help us out with some terminology. How do you explain green roofing? Green roofing sometimes is confused with other types of green rooftops. It's not a metal roof. It's not a green metal roof. It's not solar panels. It's actually vegetation on rooftops. Plants that are growing and thriving over a waterproofed structure. Green roof is, is known as, from, in many ways. It's known as an eco roof, a living roof, a garden roof, or a vegetated rooftop. I can only imagine some of the, uh, some of the looks when uh, you explain the type of work you're doing, right? Yeah, I, I typically I jump right to vegetation on rooftops because that's something that um, really resonates with people. That they say plants on roofs, and I say, yep, exactly, plants, on, gardens on rooftops. Right, you can kind of get your arms around it when you, you when you have that visual. Uh, I know we're going to talk about some of the interesting stories, but first, uh, will you help us understand when did you very first develop an interest in gardening? Did it go back to your childhood? Yeah, it did actually. I was raised by parents that uh, where most of our food was actually grown in our garden. Um, So we each had our own sections that we had to take care of and maintain. So from a very early age, as young as five or six, I I had to get my hands dirty. And um, that helped me learn about um, really taking care of the earth. And that sort of just blossomed as I got older, doing landscaping in high school and all through college and uh, university. And I just started to learn about them and Moved, moved my way towards where I am today. And actually, the first green roof I saw was at my grandparents' home uh, where they had an earth-sheltered home where I remember looking through skylights and seeing deer, white-tailed deer looking down at me while I was sitting on their couch. So I remember looking up and having these wild animals looking at me through a skylight on their roof. Oh, that's good. That's quite an experience. You know, when you were just talking just now, it made me think about the patience it takes to cultivate a garden. We live in such a culture of an instant gratification, instant videos, instant knowledge. 
there's got to be some some benefit to learning that as a as a child that element of patience it takes a minute to grow great things yes definitely patience is a a virtue of gardening and uh, landscaping mother nature doesn't work quickly you need to um, work with her i guess along the ways as well as you know you need to also think about the things around you and adjust as you go and uh, be more fluid in your way ways of doing things and um it's a great way to, to go about life, I think, and uh, we're all happier with green stuff around us. Tell us what maybe a traditional project would look like. From the time I've spent with you, I think of just plants growing on roofs, a flat roof. But give us an example of something like that and maybe something that's non-traditional. I'll start with the non-traditional because that's sometimes the more fun approach. Um, I've done green roofs on dog ho- houses, uh, mm-hmm structures where the dogs live, as well as uh, wood sheds over, um, you know, where woods would be stored underneath, saunas, um, and small structures of everyday use um, can be green, and that's actually something that I'm focusing on or trying to do more recently is to really look at how can I deliver a green roof to anyone and everyone at any budget. But the more traditional green roofs that I've done throughout the years are larger flat rooftops that are a few stories tall. They want to use these green roofs for the various benefits they provide. That said, flat roofs aren't the only way you can do green roofing, but it's definitely the most common. Now, you've had maybe a few strange experiences of some things that you've found on some roofs. When we were talking earlier, you not only design, help help with the architecture, and you help to set the layout, but you also help maintain these roofs for for companies. What are some of the interesting discoveries you've made when you've gone up on a rooftop? It's interesting what you find up there, and sometimes sometimes it can be something as a three-foot conifer tree that's growing there that somehow found its roof way up to the rooftop um, and looks like a small Christmas tree. Um, I've found bird skeletons up there as well as um, chicken bones and they're in, in, in the middle of nowhere multiple stories up and you have to stop and think of how they get up there and it's obviously from birds that are carrying that stuff up there or birds that don't make it when there's a bird skeleton. But um, there's also a famous story in the industry of actual um, cottontail rabbits being on a rooftop. It turns out that that was a practical joke played on the maintenance contractor there where the, the people actually put a cottontail rabbit on the rooftop and then she, it was a mother that had babies and there was, there was all kinds of rabbits running around the roof and that, the practical joke sort of backfired but they got them all up down onto the ground after that. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Let's talk about your business. You made a leap of faith and decided to move from Chicago, where you had a very traditional type of employment, and open up your own business and move back to Traverse City, Michigan, which is your hometown. I know that had to be quite a leap of faith, and that's when you and I met, really, when you start, you were considering what's the business planning going to take to make that happen. So I was lucky enough to be part of your early journey and discovery there. And we both know it's going really well. Tell us about that idea to make that transition back home to Traverse City. Well, uh, being an entrepreneur is a challenge, and it's not for everyone. And it's definitely scary. But I worked many years planning and strategizing how I could get home. I 
um, back here to Traverse City. We're sitting here, how beautiful this place is, and I encourage all the listeners to check this place out. So this is where I grew up, and I wanted to be back home. So I, I call myself a boomerang entrepreneur, actually. Um, so I found something that was a niche that could get me back home, and, it was, and I was lucky enough to be in a field where I got to just graduate from the corporate world directly into running my own company here in Travers. So um, that transition probably took three years of planning, and now I'm in my second year of business. So it was a, a long transition, and I finally feel like I'm hitting my stride and making it happen. I know you do a lot of, a lot of design work. Will you walk us through what you start to look at when you go to look at a possible project for a client? Typically, it starts with an architect or an owner that has a vision for a vegetated roof. They want to do something different on their rooftop. They want to stand out from their competition. That's typically where we start. For the listening audience, we are in the middle of a, a commons, a retail shop area. So we're gonna we got a crowd going by here, and we're just gonna let them come by. We're actually sitting in the Grand Traverse Commons is a remodeled former state mental institution. Is that right, Nathan? Yes, it's actually a psych ward, if you will. Um, we're in the basement of the psych ward, um, and we do have a key to get out, so we're lucky. Okay, so now that the crowd has somewhat gone by, will you help us, uh, once you get put on site, by, invited by an architect or a potential builder, what do you start to look at to see if it's possible for green roofing? The first question I ask them is, is there a structural engineer involved? The reason that that's the very first question is we want to make sure that they can hold the green roof because these this is soil and plants up on a rooftop and it weighs more than traditional roofing. If they um, aren't interested in paying a structural engineer to assess the building or they say, let's just skip that part, um, Inhabitech is no longer involved. Yeah, I understand because if it's not going to be able to hold up over time, that's your name on that that right yeah then from there let's say they do have it what do you look at in terms of space like how much is too small what kind of things make for a good uh, you know does the sun have to be in direct sunlight can they grow in partial shade how it works uh, with the sunlight if there's any shade of trees or other buildings or it's in an area that might have high reflectance ratings from the buildings next door. I also look at, you know, the parapet, the parapet walls are the edges of the walls uh, or how high those are, what type of heating and cooling elements might be on the rooftops, as well as any access to the roof. Do you have to climb a ladder? Do you have to go through a roof hatch? Um, is there an elevator? Do you have to go through a window or drop down off a rooftop? There's so many things that are looked at when you first are considering a green roof. Right, because it's not just how it's going to grow, but how it's going to get serviced, right, and maintained. You need to think about how are you going to get up there and pull those trees or get those rabbits off the rooftop <laughs> afterwards. You can't plant it and forget it. And also, uh, moving back to the construction, is how are you going to access that roof during construction? Do you need to lift stuff up there with a, um, with a crane, or are you bringing it up an elevator or up a ladder? All of those things are considered in the first days of the design. One of the things that I really think about a lot when I think about your kind of business and your work is you also have a heart to deliver a social mission with it through education, really teaching people about it and all of the social impact of having a green roof. Will you um, talk to me more about what your thoughts are with 
the social impact of green roofing? Well, green roofs are known to have triple bottom line benefits. So that's a social, economic, and environmental benefit. So, you know, I'll, I'll single out the social aspects there. That some of those are, you know, the health and well-being of your neighbors. Green vegetation is scientifically proven to um, make it a, a better place to live. So in dense urban areas or on buildings that are looking down on rooftops, if you see green, you technic- you're going to feel better and actually be healthier. So that's why you see a lot of these at hospitals and other types of care, other facilities that we're patients might be is because it actually makes them feel better. It also helps with air quality, creates educational programs, which is really big. And that's one, re- one thing that I really focus on is education up here in um, northern Michigan is getting these all ages of all the way from third grade all the way through seniors, educating them about green roofs and why they're beneficial to our community. I just try to customize the learning experience based on that particular project. Well, thank you for that. I know you've got all kinds of growth plans uh, for the educational piece of this. As a, as a fellow business owner, I know the difficulty of the growth phases. I know when you've, when you've reached that point where you have tons and tons of proposals out, which I know you're at that place, and, and you're considering what every entrepreneur goes through, wow, I've got a ton of opportunity here. How do I resource up? How do I staff up? Not only from a courage perspective, but like how do you financially go to that next step? You've made, by my opinion, just giant strides very, very quickly. I know it hasn't felt like it, but you've really ramped up very quickly, in large part due to your incredible expertise and care and responsibility. You've already got an incredible reputation for the kind of work you do, but you've really launched quickly and you've got bids out on some incredible projects. How are you feeling about, either good or bad, about the place you're in, thinking about staffing up? I'm feeling very good at this point, yet very scared and concerned at the, at the same time. Um, I'm going from one employee myself to five or maybe six in the next few weeks here, and that's really just to keep up with the workload that I've created for myself. I'm feeling very positive and optimistic for the future, though. I know that it can be successful because of how many of these I've been involved with before, and it feels great to be bringing more people on to um, share this passion with, and um, we're getting nothing but positive responses from the community, our clients, as well as um, the region in whole. What are you starting to do that is a little bit out of the box for what you've what you've been doing, what the industry's been doing? Well, the industry is in whole. They have a lot of large projects out there. I'm really, you know, I'm all about trying to go after those jobs and work on those jobs, but um, I'm also looking at smaller scale, homeowner scale projects, which a lot of the larger manufacturers or contractors and designers are not really looking at, but there's a big market there in my opinion, and that's why I've created these uh, small green roof sheds that I have. I encourage everybody to check that out on my website, but it's everything from a doghouse to a chicken coop with a green roof on it to a outdoor gazebo shading yourself from the summer sun to wood sheds and potting sheds for gardening. And I really feel that that is um, going to catch on, and we're actually in the midst of branding those with local nonprofits such as um, 
conservancies and different um, bike organizations um, so that, you know, we can have the Tart Trail branded bike shed that people can buy and have in their backyard. And then part of those proceeds will go to these nonprofits that, again, support my region that I live in. So a lot of it, I guess, so the biggest change is for me is to really focus on the social aspect or benefit and really make that my place of sale. So that's really incredible because, as Nathan said, we've got this triple bottom line that already exists with the green roofing industry as it is, but you've really chosen, Nathan, to go one step further and give back to the community, let the communities use these for their good, have education. It really is a game changer, and you're, you're helping with your products and services find a way to give it to the average, average man, if you will, <laughs> the average family could get into the green roofing, and it's not overwhelming. You know, you've, you also are finding ways to help them do low maintenance with it, teaching them how to do it themselves. Really, that just really speaks to sustainability on so many levels. You've got some really cool factoids about how this got started. Green roofs actually have been utilized for centuries. There's writings of uh, vegetated rooftops going back all the way to the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, Um, where they are used for heating and cooling purposes, creating outdoor living spaces on the rooftops, water gardens, and many other things on on the roofs. That's written about in those texts, as well as living and breathing versions of them in the Scandinavian world, where uh, Vikings and other types of Nordic peoples lived in sod-based environments where they didn't really have as many... um, trees to build things out of as other parts of the world so they they used green roofs in a variety of ways and they um and some of those still exist today that proves the longevity of these things more recent um, this technology comes from mainly germany and other parts of europe and in north america really started bringing these over in the mid-1990s once that was embraced it was a very slow start here in north america people were scared of it and um, I was lucky enough to uh, be involved right as these went from a, a fad type of mentality to really starting to get into being in normal architecture. And from there, the market has grown by over 10 times in the last decade. And I've been on that wave or I've, helped, I've been there to see the market or been involved in the market the whole time. And that I, I'm very grateful for that opportunity because I've really for a pun intended here i've rooted myself into this industry nathan will you give us your website and a couple other places to find you on social media sure everyone can find me on facebook it's just inhabitect llc and inhabitect is the word inhabit with it smooshed together with the word architect so you know take the last few letters of an architect and put it with the word inhabit and you have inhabitect and you can find us at inhabitect.com as well as email me if you're interested at nate at inhabitect.com and nate is n-a-t-e at inhabitect.com i can also be found on uh, pinterest linkedin and uh, Twitter as well. So everyone check out his great pictures of all the work he's done. Uh, Nate has been a blast interviewing you in the basement of the Grand Traverse Commons with all kinds of folks going by wondering what we're doing. We're excited to check back with you. Maybe next time we'll come out and, and have you walk us around one of your projects. Thank you so much for being on the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. 
If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, email this link, bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com, to a friend and help spread the word. Music by Dan Castle and Thomas Rojo. Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami Jingles and are copywritten 2015 Jingles Global LLC and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Jingrass Global LLC.